Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week my guest is Wendy Behar. She is from New York and is an author of a number one bestseller on Amazon, Your Rules, Your Life. She is also a licensed social work and addiction specialist who is in recovery from alcohol for over 20 years and still attends AA meetings weekly and sponsors and supports women. She has recently retired and started her own business as an inspirational writer and speaker. Everybody, please welcome Wendy. Wendy. Hi there. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Let's talk about your journey as a fearless female. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Well, nice to meet you. And thank you for asking me to come on Fearless Female. 22 years ago, I uh, came into the rooms of AA. And prior to that, I was married. So 22 is like a secret number. I was married at 22. And my plan once I got married was to go to graduate school. My husband had other ideas in mind, which I didn't realize. And he said, no, no, you'll just stay home. So, you know, I did real estate, I did retail, but I really had a dream of being a social worker and helping others. You know, time progressed and he said, oh, you're just going to be a mom. So at 26, I had my first child. At 29, I had my second child and I stayed at home and I took care of my children. And at night, you know, I would always have wine with my husband. Eventually it progressed because motherhood was stressful. You know, trying to balance it all was difficult for me. And of course, you know, throughout my life, I would drink, but I would do everything. So on the outside, everything looked perfect. Mm. No one would have any idea that, you know, when I drank, I could turn into like a Jekyll and Hyde personality, but you never knew because I was always smiling. Yeah. You know, I did all the errands I needed to do. I drove my children to all their events sober. But at six o'clock at night, I'd have wine with my husband, which increased and ended up, I would be sneaking drinking later at night and it progressed. And um, when I was 35 years old, I came into the rooms of AA because I embarrassed myself for the last time we were at a event with my children who were seven and nine at the time and my husband and my in-laws. And I don't remember what I said and what I did. And when we got home that night, my husband, who was a macho man, uh-huh. cried for the first time because he would never cry. Wow. And he cried and said, please get help. And I went with my parents to my first AA meeting at 35. Mm-hmm. You were drinking wine at night and then you said you would sneak in more wine. Would you ever drink during the day or was it solely never. at night? Never. During the day I was up, I went to the gym. I drove my children to school. I did homework. I took them to all their soccer games, did everything. But at this event, it was like a a social event. So you were drinking because it was a social event and you you didn't have a limit. So you just continue to drink and and you don't remember what you did or said to make your husband cry? No, I don't. Mm. I I wasn't a blackout. No, in the past, you you never knew when I'd be able to handle my drinking and when I wasn't. Like I could have two or three glasses of wine and be fine. And then another time I couldn't. Depending on my cycle, actually. And I would tell you what I really thought about you Mm. because I was a people pleaser. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I would just say, yes, yes, yes. When I meant no inside and I built up resentments and the alcohol was a way that I really spoke my truth. Mm. People didn't like it. 
And my parents used to say, please stop drinking. Please stop drinking. When you drink, you're a different person. And, and so you weren't taking any other any other drugs or anything. It was just simply alcohol that would completely yes. get you from zero to 100. Yes. Mm. Yes. And you never knew what you were going to get. And I didn't know either. And when I came into recovery, everyone was so happy. But then when they found out that I started changing who I was and I started saying no and my self-esteem grew, they didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. And they didn't like the new Wendy. Yeah. I started to do a new dance. You know, if two people are doing the waltz for so many years and then one person does the tango, like I'm Mm -hmm. doing the tango and everyone else is still doing the waltz, like, ah, who are you? Put the old Wendy. And I knew that if I went back to the old Wendy, then I would drink again. Mm. And I had to make changes in my life. And I didn't realize once I put down alcohol, how my whole life would change Mm. in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At, like I said, at 35, going to meetings and actually putting my meetings first. Mm -hmm. And I would meet my children at the soccer games with my husband, but my husband continued to drink. And the healthier I got, the sicker he got. And he did not like it. And he would call me a weirdo. And I was emotionally abused in front of my children. Wow. And I would go crying in the bathroom if we were in a restaurant. And I remember my daughter following me in the bathroom and watching me cry, which is a horrible role model for my daughter. Yeah. To see that and my son to see that type of behavior. Absolutely. Yes. And I went to therapy and did a lot of work on myself. And I kept on growing and changing. And my husband and I tried therapy, but it didn't work. Mm. And eventually I asked him for a divorce. Wow. And he was not very happy about that. How long have you been married at this point now? 22 years. Wow. Very long time. A very long time. And I decided as well to go back to graduate school something I wanted to do when I was 22. I did mm-hmm. it at 40, <laughs> which was part of the message that I wanted to tell people. doesn't matter what age you are. You can always go back to school, always follow your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And I was able to do that. Yes. And then at 43, I had my degree and my divorce. <laughs> your double the same D's. time. I was like, woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. I'm free at last. And it's been quite a journey. And I needed the courage to do it. And despite the fear, I did it anyway, because I had a bunch of women and men supporting me. Mm-hmm. And my parents did not want me to get a divorce. My mother stayed married to my father, you know, despite adversity yeah. in their life. And she said, no way, you shouldn't do that. What are you going to do for money? There's nothing else better out there, but I didn't mm. listen. <laughs> I didn't listen. Thank God I didn't. Yeah. She's still old school to say that, that statement of what are you going to do for money? Like as if you can't make money on your own. Exactly. Because she wouldn't make a change. Yeah. My mom probably should have, but that wasn't her journey. You know, and my journey was, and I believe it empowered my daughter as well, who at 28 decided to go back to dental hygiene school. Mm. even though she was in another field. Yeah. She saw me do it at 40. And I remember on her college essay, she wrote about her mom, mm. all the changes that I made. And I'm so thankful because I can't imagine where my children would be today 
and where I would be today if I continued drinking. So I worked in the addiction field and love it, loved, loved it. And then once the pandemic hit, I decided to change the direction, which also takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. It's very comfortable, 15 years running groups for addiction and loving it. And I'm still going to recovery meetings and sponsor people. And I love doing that. I felt like I wanted to help other people in the world that aren't in it recovery, addiction. Going back, like, do you see anything in your childhood that possibly made you the person that was the yes, the people pleaser? Like, yes, absolutely. I will do it for you. No problem. I can be there. What made you become that yes person? And obviously, when someone truly means no, like I always tell people, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. But if you want to say no, say no, don't say yes with the intention in your heart that you don't want to do it. Because then you push that down and you become bitter and angry and or you're upset. And then, like you said, you used alcohol to let all that anger and bitterness and and whatever you were feeling and thinking out. So what in your childhood or maybe was it something that you learned that yes was what everybody needed to hear? I mean, it's sounding like maybe your mother was an influence in that behavior. I was raised to be a people pleaser, like you said. I wasn't allowed to voice my opinion if my mother and grandmother didn't agree with it. And I was an only child. My -hmm. parents are now in heaven. My grandmother as well. So I say was Mm -hmm. an only child. And my purpose in life was to please them. I felt like the mother Mm -hmm. in many instances. To always make the peace. My parents used to fight, you know, the triangulation get in the middle of it, try to fix it. That's why I wanted to be a social worker. You know, I was raised (laughs) that way. Nothing's all good and nothing's all bad. And like you say, no, I say no is a complete sentence. Yes, absolutely. However, you know, if you're not in touch with your feelings, you don't really know Mm -hmm. very often if you want to or not. For example, you know, a lot of my clients will be in a great mood and say yes in the moment. And then when the event comes, they'll say, what did I do that? Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. So it's really being present, being mindful, being in the moment before you're make, making a yes. Say, let me get back to you. <laughs> Say, yeah. Yes. Yes or no. <laughs> exactly. Let me get back to you. So, let me check my schedule. Let me tell you, or can I tell you later? Yeah, definitely. If if you have an instinct or something in your stomach telling you maybe you're going to be too busy or it's outside of your time frame, like just say, I'll get back to you or, you know, or maybe you can find someone else that can possibly help you because it's not something that I can do. But yes, I think also being a people pleaser has codependent issues as well. Like you're also could be codependent, meaning you just don't want anyone to not like you. People who have codependent issues, they want everybody to like them. So that's the reason why you say yes <laughs> all the time, because yes. you never want anyone to be like, oh, she might be mad at me or she might not like me or she will stop being my friend. Codependency also comes from traumatic childhoods. And as mm-hmm. she's describing, you know, being the person between her mom and dad, carrying the weight of an adult as a child to try to resolve their adult issues and their adult arguments. And this is why it's so important to evaluate your childhood and evaluate your parents and what you mirrored and the behaviors that you saw and mirrored. And now are some behaviors that are within you. 
And sometimes we subconsciously still create the same behaviors, even though we want to break the generational curse. It's been programmed into us since we were a child. So it's always good to to look back and say, oh, that's why I did that. And then work on yourself and heal yourself. I love that you talked about going to therapy and like, you know, once you started to heal and change yourself, the people around you were like, wait a minute, what's going on? Where's the old Wendy? Because they appreciated that Wendy, but now the healed version of you, they're like, oh no, no, we want the old one back because we could manipulate her and treat her the way we want to treat her. And she'll always say yes to us, you know? And so when you go through your healing journey, it's not easy. For those of you who are listening, it's never easy. And the people that truly love you and support you will stay. And the people that are not meant to continue in your growth, like you have to make hard decisions. And one of her hard decisions was to get a divorce after 22 years When someone starts to emotionally abuse you and starts making fun of you, and especially in front of your children, like she said, it was something that her daughter and her son witnessed. And if she continued down that path and allowed her daughter and her son to witness that behavior, 99% of the time, repeat that behavior in their future relationships, correct? Yes, it does repeat itself. It's generational It goes on and they have seen things. And I do believe, you know, therapy helps them as well to heal because they've seen it. They know it. And I witnessed things in my family, my mother and father's relationship. And, you know, we are very unconscious of the people we pick. As you said, I was a parentified child and inner child work is wonderful work to do to heal that. And like you said, as well, we are really unaware of it at the time. But if we go to therapy, we say, oh, that's why I'm attracted to that person. Even though I know they're not good for me, it's because my father was that way. You know, so we could say it consciously in our minds. I'm not going to go after a man that way. But we do time and time again, if we don't heal our inner child, go to therapy, do the work, which can be painful. But I'd rather have the pain of doing the therapy than a painful life. And exactly. Relationship. Yes. And like you said, too, step over the bodies. I hate to use that phrase, <laughs> but that's what I say. I had to step over the bodies. Like, I love you, but I love me more. Absolutely. You have to love yourself more and you'll do so much more. You'd benefit everybody around you if you loved yourself more than if you just let, lay down and let everybody walk all over you. It's it's just a different life. And, you know, I always tend to think, well, what would have happened if I would have stayed down that path? And I love that you said that too. What would have happened to your children if you would have continued to drink, if you would have continued to be sad and depressed and, you know, in an abusive relationship and they would have witnessed that, you know, versus like totally changing your life around and your daughter writing about you and then changing her life and following her dreams. You know, it's it's such a different path than if you stay in a toxic environment and continue with toxic behavior versus going down the healing journey. Yes, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of tears, but it's so worth it because once you get past all that pain, it's it's great. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, 
fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. Tell us about your book. How did you start it? And let's discuss what's in it and how my audience can find it. Okay. My book is titled Hashtag Your Rules, Your Life, which is all about what we're talking about to live an authentic life, to say no, to stop people pleasing. And my book is on Amazon, my website, which is wendybehar.com. And you could follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And it shows you ways that you can make changes, steps to push you forward. And there are stories in there, personal and professional stories with examples of how you can make those changes. Some of the chapters, like I mentioned before, one title is No is a Complete Sentence. Mm -hmm. Another chapter is Feel, Deal, and Heal to make you think of how are you dealing with your feelings. Mm -hmm. We talk about meditation, about grounding and centering, and I discuss different tools that you can use to get to the other side and to make the changes in your life that you want to make to empower yourself that you're never too old, you know, to make these changes yeah. to stay true to you and yeah. to your heart, you know, living an authentic life. Talk about a little bit of the tools that you currently use that are some of your favorites. Well, my favorite tool, as I mentioned, is meditation. And what I do actually first thing in the morning that I love to do is I'll journal. So I journal my feelings and then I will meditate. And I love my oracle cards. I have a deck of angel cards that I love. Carl Gray, and I'll close my eyes and ask the universe to show me the message for the day. Mm -hmm. And actually today's card was Leap of Faith. No coincidence there. So I will do my cards and then I have a lot of different meditation books and I will read that and then I can do my yoga and I'll exercise, which is really helpful. I love my celery juice in the morning to clean out and drinking a lot of water. And there are so many different types of therapy that people could engage in. Like I mentioned before, the inner child, emotional release, EMDR, mm -hmm. motivational therapy, 12-step programs. When you mentioned codependency, mm -hmm. Al-Anon is another 12-step program that I go to as well for codependency. And there's so many different support groups, you know, Emotions Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, so many different support groups that help to make you realize that you're not alone, that what people might look like on the outside is not necessarily how it is on the inside. Absolutely. We all have trauma and people don't talk about it. You no. know? So I was glad that, unfortunately, I was glad that my grandmother at 107 passed away when I published my book because I could not publish it while she was alive because she was a very private person. Mm. She never even told anyone how old she was. So, <laughs> really? <laughs> never. And no one would know because she played bridge and canaster until she was 107. 107. Wow. And lived alone. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, there's so many great tools that you've mentioned, you know, doing meditation and journaling. And like she said, there's a group for practically everything, support group for practically everything that you can think of. The key is asking for help and taking action and actually going to go get the help and then doing the work. Because you can go to an AA meeting, but then if you don't actually do the work, if you don't actually 
you know, continue to take the steps. You're never going to find the healing. But yeah, you you definitely, if you're listening to this, you know, you can't see Wendy, but I've, you know, I know what she looks like. Wendy looks like a normal housewife. People, this is what people don't understand about alcoholics is, you know, my dad died of an alcohol as an alcoholic. And I used to hate saying, you know, my dad was an alcoholic simply because when someone says the word alcoholic, they think of them like, you know, somebody on the streets with like raggedy hair and dirty clothes and like an alcohol bottle and a brown bag and they're slurring their speech and, you know, they smell and, and. That's not the case for most alcoholics. A lot of people are functioning alcoholics. Like she said, she would wake up every single day and take her kids to school and make sure she got her workout in. And and so she was a functioning alcoholic. And there's a lot, a lot of people out there, especially because there's so much alcohol out there and it's promoted everywhere, every holiday. It's like, oh, we're going to have drinks and oh, for breakfast, we're going to have brunch and for lunch, let's have a martini and for dinner, Mm -hmm. let's have wine. And it's promoted everywhere. And, you know, I personally took a year off of drinking after my dad passed away. I thought I personally had alcoholism and I was like, well, what if I'm an alcoholic? So I took a year off of drinking and it was hard because all my friends would think I was weird and they would make fun of me. Mm -hmm. And you know, almost to the point where I was alienated, they would stop calling me, stop inviting me places. And I just was like, and there's something wrong with me just because I don't want to drink alcohol. And so it's very much pushed on to people onto society that you need to drink alcohol, you need to drink alcohol. And a lot of people don't even think they have a problem. Because like I said, they're functioning alcoholics, they get they get up, they go to work, they do their things. And so they feel like they don't need to fix anything. When in reality, most people have a problem because they've never done the work and they're dealing with a lot of trauma. I always say the reason why people reach out for alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, food, shopping is because they're out of heart and mind alignment. When you're completely out of alignment and your heart feels like it's walking on eggshells or it's being crushed into your chest and your mind is going a million miles an hour because you have so many things to do, tasks and people need you and, you know, your kids or whatever, and you're completely out of alignment, you reach for the things that make you feel calm, like drugs, alcohol, shopping, gambling, whatever, even video games or Candy Crush on your phone. So that's why, like, I love that you said you wake up every morning and you write down your feelings and you meditate. When you sit in silence and meditate, you can get your mind and heart back into alignment so that you don't reach out for those things. Do you agree? I agree 100%. And I love what you said, functioning. You mentioned that a couple of times and I will challenge people. Are you functioning to your full potential? Many people are functioning. They say, oh, I have financial security. I have a wonderful job, a wonderful family, but could it be better? And only you know the answer to that. A lot of people are in denial. Don't even notice I am lying, you know, because you don't really want to admit it because then you have to make a change. And like you said, friends, people think they have a problem. You could check out a 12-step program, go for three months, 90 days, and see what happens. And they have beautiful people there. These are my sisters that I've adopted in the rooms of recovery, people that are like-minded and that are caring. And you said, yes, 
Wendy doesn't look like a bum. You can check me out on (laughs) my sites and you'll see what I look like. Every day I'm posting inspirational posts to help people make changes and to be true to themselves. I agree with you about the alignment. That's why I love meditation. It grounds and centers you. Mm-hmm. So you can be in your body because most people are out of their body. A lot of people are like human doings instead of human beings, especially now with COVID-19, you know, being at an end, hopefully people are drinking more during the pandemic. The opioid overdose was at an all time high. Yeah, People are grabbing for outside things to make them happy. And it's really an inside job. Yeah. That's another thing that people don't understand is that when they think, oh, you know, I abuse drugs, they think, oh, they're doing cocaine and marijuana and heroin. No, I, one of my episodes was Amy Green, and I never, I will never forget that episode. She is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. I mean, she is an athlete and she is current fitness model. And it's like you would never, ever believe that she was abusing oxycodone. And then from mm-hmm. oxycodone, she went to heroin. And I'm like, wait, what? Like you? I, mm-hmm. If I was to run into her at like the local Starbucks, I would never guess. And there's so many people. Mm-hmm that are currently in their home in a suburban neighborhood somewhere with a beautiful car in the driveway and, you know, Mm -hmm. a a job making six figures and they're abusing drugs, you know, and they're abusing Adderall and oxycodone and Valium and Mm -hmm. all kinds of, you know, prescribed medications. And they think, like you said, they don't have a problem because they have a job and they have a house and, you know, Mm -hmm. they can handle it. And so if you're listening to this and, And maybe it's not you who's doing this. Maybe you know somebody and you Mm -hmm. want to help them. Like she said, there's groups like Al-Anon that you can join because, you know, you don't want to get caught up in their whirlwind. You want to be able to know how to manage all of these emotions and how you're feeling if it's a loved Mm -hmm. one or somebody that you care about. So these are all great points. So Wendy, as we wrap up this episode, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom that you would like to leave the ladies as we wrap this episode up? I would say that self-care is not selfish. Also follow your heart and remember to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and stay true to yourself. And you can do anything that you want to do when you're never alone. There is help out there, many ways to get help. And I hope you do get that help. And you can check out my book. It's 95 pages, really light, really simple. And I hope it helps you on your journey to self-discovery because you're worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved earlier when you said most people are human doings and not human beings. So instead of doing, 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 guys, slow down and just be and try to find healing in your heart. So Wendy, how can my audience find you? I am on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And like I said earlier, my website is wendybehar.com. And my book is hashtag your rules, your life, which is on Amazon, also on my site. And I hope you check out my daily posts and they make a shift and help you have an epiphany moment to make that change in your life. Absolutely. And she also sponsors women. So if you ever want to just reach out to her, her links will all be on the show notes. Yes, definitely. I can lead you towards Zoom meetings because there are several Zoom meetings, Al-Anon and AA meetings. And you can just even go on the meetings. You don't have to show your face. And you can just listen Mm -hmm. and see if anything resonates with you. 
because I believe the 12 steps of recovery, everyone in the world should have. I believe it should be in a baby's crib. <laughs> they're just really, seriously, they're designed yeah. for living. They're so simple. Yeah. They're just coping skills. Absolutely. They had to live life on life's terms without putting substances into your body, whether it's sugar, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, or drugs or alcohol, like you mentioned too, shopping. Yeah. You know, retail therapy. I make fun and I say, oh, I love retail therapy, but I have to watch that. <laughs> yeah. It's a personality. I can get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, the Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.